This is an ABC podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Steph Kiyochi and you're listening to The W with Charney and Sam. Welcome back to The W with Shani and Sam. It is your place every week during the AFLW season where you get some news and views and a little bit of sprinkling of special sauce in between those news and views every week with me, Sam Lane, and my co-host, Shani Norda. Shani, welcome this week. Tell us where you are at the completion of Round 9 AFLW Season 7. Well, Sam, I'm actually on the Sam Lane trail, or I could just be on Sam Lane because what do you mean? I have followed you all the way to WA um, and it has been, yeah, just magnificent over here. I came over for a, for a wedding and, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a great time. But, you know, I'm all the way over here, so where am I going next week? Where are you? <laughs> well, this is very funny. Our timing is quite out because I was there last week. As you know, it's where I recorded the pod. This week, Shans, I'm in Mildura. Uh, I caught a, a small plane actually from Brisbane to Sydney, then Sydney to Mildura yesterday to cover the, the Richmond uh, GWS game. Uh, there's been all sorts of things going on here this morning, I've got to say. This pod was in jeopardy for the first time in a very serious matter, Shans. I wasn't able to WhatsApp you the way I normally would on a Monday mm. morning or our producer, Evan, get the game plan happening because I thought it was my phone. I thought maybe I haven't paid my bill or something like that. <laughs> but no, there was an outage in Mildura and um, it was quite nice in, in a fashion because I got to sit in a cafe and I heard someone say, well, we're all just going to have to sit here and talk. Oh. And I thought, yeah, normally, <laughs> so 1950s. Totally. I was like, normally people would be, you know, in their phone, buried in whatever, and I would have been catching up on, you know, something I'd missed or whatever listening as I was sitting by myself. Instead, I was eavesdropping to a, a great couple behind me and met a lovely woman called Pauline who was doing a French study somehow offline. And I've had quite a nice little morning. But um, in saying that, it is one of the joys of reception chance that we can join mm. up as we do now and jump in to AFLW and, and dissect what has been happening. Shall we start with the fact, Shans, that we have one home and away round left oh of season God. seven? Where and the top four, as it stands, which is Brisbane, Melbourne, Adelaide and Richmond, all had good wins on the weekend. So, I mean, Richmond is a story. They've leapfrogged Collingwood to, to take fourth spot, as it stands. Adelaide won, but just by two points over the really impressive Cats. Brisbane, very strong, 54-point winners against the Hawks. Richmond, I mentioned, they they beat GWS by 43 points. And Melbourne, we've said it the last two weeks, just doing what needs to be done at a very, very windy Casey Fields. They defeated the Bombers by a massive 41 points. Shuns, who in the top eight was the biggest winner of the weekend and why? And who would you pick out from the top eight as the biggest loser and the reason why? So um, literally just off what you've said, Sammy, so for me, it's the Mighty Tykes. They've done Mm -hmm. a huge job to be able to get that win over GWS to get seven wins 
in a row. They've really built some momentum and that's exactly what you want leading into finals. And then for Collingwood, unfortunately, my Mighty Pies are my biggest loser this mm-hmm. week because we chatted about them last week. Had they been going under the radar, kind of scraping in wins and they really got found out against North Melbourne. There's always a really big battle between Collingwood and North after a few semi-final fights where both sides have been winners and losers. Um, but North said, nah, this is this is ours this year. And um, Collingwood out of the top four, which is so important, come that first week of finals. Yep, I think you're spot on. And in fact, there were only two losers within the top eight from the weekend. Collingwood was one, as you'd named. The other is the Cats, and they are sitting in seventh position. But they almost won, didn't they, Shams? And yeah, they I know that's <laughs> such a funny thing to say. But to go down to Adelaide and on Adelaide's home deck by just two points. You know, this Cats team that we've really enjoyed kind of watching and see develop all season, um, you almost do count that as a win. Imagine the the shot uh, of confidence that will give them um, going into their final round and, and the finals series. So I guess what does it all mean, Shans? There is a top eight, as we've mentioned, that appears set. We called it last week. I think we'd stand by that here and now. The only thing that could happen is the Gold Coast Suns could jump in and and get to eighth spot. In saying that, a, a couple of teams would have to lose and the Gold Coast Suns percentage is not as good as them. Just put it this way, this is as simple as I can be. It involves permutations, including the Kangaroos, the Geelong Cats and the Western Bulldogs. And I really just don't think it's going to happen, but we are just going to put on the record that it's a possibility, albeit very unlikely. But you never want to be in that spot where you're light of watching, do you? You know, like you're kind of waiting for other teams teams all you can do is win but unfortunately the position they're in but you know you chatted about the cats and their their win loss so they lost by two points but it was a real win for them in their belief and spirit and for me the suns whether they make that top eight or most likely not um you know, they're going to have so much more belief going into next season about what they can do and achieve together in the off-season. So um, it's been a brilliant year for them so far. And Collingwood are really going to be found out this weekend whether they can step up to the plate or not as they come up against Brisbane on Friday night. It's going to be an interesting one, Sammy. Shans, let's let's focus in a bit on the Tigers because you've named them as the biggest winners. I saw them in full flight yesterday. It was very soggy in Mildura. Um, the Kings of Leon are coming next to the, the complex where they played. So there are big <laughs> things happening in Mildura, Huge. I tell you that. And Richmond was actually the biggest thing to hit Mildura, I would say, in recent times. They are about to play their first AFLW final series their president Peggy O'Neill their outgoing president was there I saw her on the boundary line at the end of the day literally jumping for joy and it was such a great sight they are celebrating hard because I've never seen them play such composed and confident footy as they're putting together now and something I really love their coach Ryan Ferguson who I spoke to at the beginning of broadcast I asked him about how are you managing this streak they're on they've they've got seven wins in a row now as you've mentioned And he almost seemed taken aback by the question because he was like, oh, we're not really managing that. We're just rolling with it. They are totally rolling with it. He's a really cool customer and they're just in such good form right now. And I don't know, I feel like they can't lose whatever happens. What what have you loved apart from the obvious, i.e. Mon Conti, et cetera, um, from from Richmond uh, in the recent weeks? It's just for me, um, it just shows that, their skill level 
is there. Do you know what I mean? And in the past, it's been there. Um, and this is what a lot of teams can take away from Richmond. It was only in 2020 when they were winless. Yes. Like zero wins. And that can hurt your soul as a player because winning and losing can be a mindset. You know, you can either go into a game and go, we've got this. You know, every time I went into a game, whether it be netball, football, whatever, it was, I've got this, I'm going to win this. And it was always a shock when I lost. But then some teams who don't know how to win that unfortunately dealt with loss after loss after loss, it's kind of like someone kicks a goal against them and the weight of the world is on their shoulders, not knowing how to break those shackles. And what I love about Richmond is that They've broken the shackles. They've won seven in a row. And you just said it perfectly when you said they're not counting. They're not, you know, we're going to win eight in a row this week. We're going to win, you know, and then our first final or whatever it's going to be. And when you are a ladder counter, so in regards to I said with um, sorry, Gold Coast Suns needing to look at the ladder and count the points and figure out who's going to win and who's going to lose. And if you're doing that in your mind, you're not focusing on the game at hand. Whereas Richmond are just like, who have we got this week? Let's go out and beat them. And if that happens to be eight in a row, so be it. So be great. it. And it's yeah. a really freeing um, mindset to be in. So as a team, I've loved watching them grow, develop, watch that belief, how much fun they're having. If you watch any of their socials, they're always having a jolly good time. Um, And that just shows, I think, that the team's in a really great place. Indeed. Other notable results, just mentioning outside of the eight, the Blues, again, lose by 27 points. The Swans, unlikely to get a win now in their debut season after losing to Frio by 14 points. But they have that Richmond mirror to look at and say, well, look what they could do uh, so soon after that, St Kilda denying Port Adelaide another new side this season by two points. Uh, so Port Adelaide uh, most likely to only get one win in their first season. And Shans, the Giants' yo-yo reputation continues. But let me now ask you a couple of pointy questions, if you don't mind. Can the Adelaide Crows win this year's premiership without Chelsea Randall? They had to adjust without her, the great uh, leader that they have. Um, she's injured a really bad ankle problem. She may not get back at all uh, in the remaining weeks of this season. Perhaps at best, if the Crows qualified for a grand final, she might get back in there. Can they do damage? Can they make a grand final and, and go beyond the first couple of weeks of uh, the AFLW final series without Chelsea? Yes, they can cause damage. But no, I don't think they can win the premiership. I think Chelsea's just, she needs to be out on that field to help lift those players. And without her, they've got a massive chain missing um, or massive link missing in the chain, I should say. And they will win this week against St Kilda and then they could win their first couple of finals. Um, And even if they do make it into the grand final, I just really think that they'll struggle to beat your Melbournes and your Brisbane's without her impact out there on the field. And once again, it comes to that mental edge of the other team going, all right, like we know that they haven't got Chelsea today. How are we going to adapt to that? And gives them a sense of belief, which, like I said, when it comes to finals, that's what it's all about. But when I said they'll cause damage, um, they won't go down without a fight. And whoever comes up against them in finals um, is either, if they're not going to lose, they're going to come out of that game extremely sore and buggered for the next round. (laughs) She did it last week, the ankle, and um, they said – 
between three to five weeks. So look, there is a best case scenario. Um, that would be a really good case scenario for the Crows. But yeah, she reminds me of um, once a Hawthorne player said to me when Lance Franklin used to play for Hawthorne, um, it didn't matter what the scoreboard said. We knew we had Buddy and that that gave them a sense of feeling bulletproof all the time. My sense is that within the Adelaide Crows, you would look at Chelsea Randall and think exactly the same thing. Whatever happens, we wish her a very speedy recovery. And Chance, my second pointy question to you Ooh. is in Adelaide as well. It remains in Adelaide. It's it's not been so much spoken about yet. Uh, I'm tipping it will be um, firm on the agenda in the countdown to a game between Port Adelaide and the Essendon Football Club on Sunday. Is this Erin Phillips' last game? Well, look, I wouldn't blame her if it was, to be honest. It'd be a really tough year to come off the high um, of winning a premiership with the Crows and um, I guess always being in that standout team and it would be extremely tough um, to be in that developing team that Port Adelaide has had this year with, with not a lot of wins. But I don't know. I think that she went there to help develop the club. Um, and I think that whether they're winning or losing, um, she still has so much to give, that belief, those learnings. Um, and at the end of the day, the club is going to learn more with her around. So I'm going to say yes. I can see her playing on maybe just for one more season. I don't think it's going to be a long time. Um, but as I said, she's given so much to the sport and the game that um, if she decided to hang up the boots after this year, um, then I wouldn't judge her for that because you know everyone has different reasons for making decisions and there's no judgment around that I think the fact that she wanted to go to Port Adelaide because it had so much rich family history and um, to be able to captain that club and um, you know if she feels that her purpose has been fulfilled within that um, it's really going to come down to what drives her um, and whichever that is I support her with all, all the very best. She's 37 now. I, oh God, is she? I, I know. She looks like she's 20. I know. And and I do not know the answer to the question of whether she plays on or not. I, I would love her to play on, but I think mm. it's all about her body. Um, yes. I don't think there's any doubting her competitive mind. It's about what that competitive mind thinks that body can do. But if you look at Port Adelaide, my gosh, I think it's a no-brainer. You would want her on the field being essentially a captain coach on field. So I think um, with the most optimistic head on, if you consider that, that there will not be two seasons within one year again, um, a body, a 37-year-old body gets to actually rehab, recover, prepare again for a season that doesn't start in January but August, um, I'd like to think that um, there is a hope that we see Erin Phillips play on because she has been a powerhouse for this competition. In fact, the benchmark individual player for this competition uh, when she arrived and lifted the standard for everyone um, after leaving professional basketball in America. Um, she's she's just a, she's a monumental story. So whatever form it takes from here, um, we will be cheering Shans. But um, yes, let's uh, keep all eyes on, on Erin and Port Adelaide against the Bombers on Sunday. 
Shans, it is time for us to move into our guest. It's always a highlight of our show and you have sorted it out this week. I love it when you bring someone via DMs. I really love it when you bring someone from your old footy club because that means that our guest has intel on you that for all the podcasts we've done together, I cannot even pretend to have. So we welcome on that note someone that ticks all those boxes. It is the captain of the Collingwood Football Club, the inaugural AFLW captain. She has notched up now 51 games as captain of that AFLW side. It is the one and only Steph Kiochi. Steph, welcome. Thanks very much. I slid into the DM. Surely I'm getting paid big bucks, Shani. (laughs) That's why I said yes. If there was, I reckon, unfortunately, well, no, I shouldn't say unfortunately, that's really rude. But I was like, I actually have your number. So I've I've progressed from the DM stage. We're we're already dating. I love it. That's fair enough. Shads, you need to go first on this because um, you guys know each other like, you know, peas in a pod. So where do you want to start with Steph? Well, I think, um, yeah, I think we'll get to the weekend's game shortly, but I would like to continue on from what you said, Sam, around the 50 gamer captain because you were and still are um, obviously the captain. And when I came into the club, you welcomed me with very wide arms. You know, it was a part of the AFOW culture that made me want to, jump sports mm-hmm. and um I just love your your leadership and how beautiful you are I've never seen anyone get around players like that but what I want to know from you Steph is because you've been the captain the whole time has your leadership style changed like what have you learned yeah great question Sean um and I do remember you walking through the doors I could hear you before I could see you so uh, <laughs> I don't think I had any choice but to embrace you but no thank you thank you for your kind words I to be honest, it, it's funny because in those initial it's leadership is not something you really strive for. I think um, I was a young leader at Diamond Creek, so I was made a, a co-captain or a captain back then when I was quite young. Um, and then captaining the Bulldogs in the exhibition series was a real surprise for me and I was voted in by my peers and that's when I started to sort of have that belief that, you know, maybe this is something that I, I could be good at. Um, and then to be the inaugural captain at Collingwood was an absolute honour and in those first few seasons, we didn't win too many games. So I felt a lot of pressure personally. Um, mm. And, you know, I, I'm the first to admit, you know, I'm not the best player on the list. Um, I'm certainly not, you know, a very, very, very good player, but um, I think my leadership extends beyond the field. And that's sort of what I focused on. And in the initial days, I remember being told, and, and this sort of links into what I've learned, you know, you've got to be this, you've got to be hard, you've got to be aggressive, you've got to lift the standards and call people out and it just wasn't me it's not natural for me to be like that and you know I certainly felt pressure to sort of conform to what they wanted at the time and I I don't know who I was talking to and I remember listening to someone speak and they said as a leader you don't have to tick all the boxes Mm. um you know I, I like to work with other people I'm very collaborative so I sort of took that on board and went you know what I'm not that type of leader I'm someone who's caring I'm sensitive um I like to get around people and build relationships and that's who I am. If that's not what they want, well, then so be it. So over the years I've learned that you need to be yourself, you need to bring your own strengths and be really vulnerable in what you're not good at. And I'm pretty good at that. I can identify my weaknesses and that's when you sort of lean on others to help you out. And that's where you were great, Sean, because you could have those, you know, tough conversations and you saw things differently. And, you know, I respected you so much for that and you helped me become a better leader as well. So that's probably what I learned. Just be you and, um, you know, authenticity is very, very important. 
Yeah, but it's so beautiful. And you said that so well, Steph, that you need both sides because um, I'm very robust and sometimes I missed that care factor if I was just bossing people around on the pitch. And um, one of my really great um, sports psychologists, Jenny Williams, said to me once, Shani, the number one thing that will get you a premiership is care. Um, And you need to care about your team. And um, yeah, that's definitely what you brought in that beautiful balance. Oh, thanks, Sean. Very nice. Now, Steph, shall we get to the result on the weekend? Because it's not what we'd want to be talking to you about, but the Pies have gone down in round nine to North Melbourne by 32 points. I mean, it was going to be a tight game um, with two sort of vaguely um, similarly ranked sides. But how have you come away from it with a couple of days, I guess, to, to contemplate and the fact that, Richmond, with winning yesterday in Mildura, where I am, have leapfrogged you into fourth spot. Yeah, it was a tough day at the office, no doubt about that. And to be fair, we, we knew that North Melbourne's ladder position didn't reflect how they were playing. They'd played, I think, three or four of the top eight teams. And, you know, we've had some really good battles uh, with them over the past few seasons. So we knew it was going to be tough. You know, I was aware that, you know, a win would cement fourth spot. We didn't talk about it specifically, but... Um, we knew it was an important game and I think if you, you take the second quarter away, which I wish we could, I know that mm. we can't, but, you know, you take the second quarter away, we only lost the game by a goal, um, six points. And to be fair, I, I expected that it would be a, a closer encounter than, than what it ended up being and um, credit where credit's due, they were, they were brilliant, um, they were cleaner, they were harder, they transitioned run really, really well um, and, you, and you can't really stop their mids when they're streaming forward and they're just so damaging. Um, and they used the ball incredibly well. And I think we were a little bit shell-shocked in that second quarter, to be honest. Our pressure rating dropped significantly. We've, we've had a really high pressure rating. I don't know how they calculate it, but um, we, we, do look at, we do look at it every week. And, um, you know, we can withstand high pressure. I think Fremantle last week, the pressure gauge was over 300, which is absolutely unheard of. And um, people who analyse the game could tell you more about that. But we, you know, we're able to absorb that and then still play the way we wanted to play. And on the weekend, our pressure rating in that second quarter dropped to 150, which is mm-hmm. below average and, you know, not something that we're really proud of. And, you know, they capitalised on that. They were able to do what they wanted and kicked, was it, five goals in that second quarter. And, um, you know, we're pretty shell-shocked. And then, you know, after half time, we, we kind of equalised the contest. So, um because that lapse in the second quarter, uh, we couldn't really stem the flow and, you know, ultimately we we got done. So disappointing, um, but we'll take a lot from that. We'll review it tonight. Not really looking forward to going into training tonight, but <laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll have a look at that and see where we can improve. And, you know, we've got a big game against Brisbane in, on the Gold Coast this Friday. So, yay. <laughs> How hard is it, Steph, to reflect on... A loss, you know, it's something that we don't often talk about when you actually have to get in together as a team and watch, you know, some errors that were made throughout the game. So number one um, question, but number two, um, what can you do differently in that to stop that lapse happening again? Yeah, look, it's it's never fun reviewing a loss. I, it, it, and to be completely honest, we don't feel like we've played the, our best footy this season anyway, even the games where we were winning. So I think we we have some set some really high standards for ourselves. And even with the review when we won games, you know, Geelong where we got over the line, St Kilda where we were really lucky, you know, we weren't satisfied with that. So we kind of knew what to expect when we went into review. But tonight will be a little bit different. I think 
they're trying to be really positive with us, which I think's you know warranted. Um, like you said before, if you have a team that's united and and care for each other and can actually get the best out of each other, that's going to go a long way. But I actually called for it after the game. We spoke about how we went away from our system and our roles. And I think when you're under pressure, and this probably leads into your second question, when you're under pressure in that second term and you try to do things out of your role because you want to try and help the team, but that's not what we needed. And we spoke about that after the game. And I actually said to to our coach, Steve, like you need to show examples of, of that, um, whether it's individual edits or as a team where we've gone outside our role in the system so then we can rectify it on the day um, because it's all well and good to talk about it but unless you see it and you can feel it and you understand what it looks like, you can't really change it in the moment. Um, so I think that's going to be really important going into Brisbane who are super fit, obviously top of the ladder for a reason, um, you know, in my opinion, the best team in the competition. You know, when we get that pressure coming at us and they're, you know, running rings around us, how are we going to stop that? You've said some really key things there, Steph. You rate Brisbane as the best in the comp and they're your final opponent in the home and away rounds, your place in the top eight. And so therefore your finals berth is secure, but you know, it's not an ideal, I think it's fair to say, um, you know, final bout before finals. You will set the tone as skipper with your teammates. What what mantra will you take into the week? Like, Give us a sense of how you'll be talking to teammates and setting the tone. Yeah, I think we're just, look, personally, I'll be focusing on the fact that it's a great opportunity to come, come up against the best in the competition. Um, and, you know, even playing North on the weekend, we, we sort of looked at it like, wow, we've got North Melbourne and Brisbane leading into finals. That's great preparation for the finals, um, to, you know, to be up against some of the best teams. And that's sort of the mantra we'll be taking on. We get to get away, the whole squad's flying, which is, you know, the first time in our history where we get to bring all 32 players across. Um, you know, so that one club, sort of one team feel. Uh, we love when our backs are against the wall. You know, you get to spend time with each other. And I think we'll just be looking at those sorts of things and how we can best prepare and get around each other for a really big challenge. And the reality is destiny's in our hands. We win, you know, we put the pressure on on Richmond and North, um, you know, and then we hope that North knocks off Richmond on the Sunday. So <laughs> yeah. it actually, it, it's been set up pretty well for us, to be honest, you know, like, like I said, destiny's in our hands. If we win then we, you know, get to sit back on Sunday and hope that the other result falls our way. And if it doesn't, well, we know we've beaten the best team of the competition and we'll we'll take on whoever we need to take on in an elimination. But, um, yeah, I'm really excited for the challenge. I'm always very optimistic, aren't I, Sean? Like, I'm always like, yeah, I always think we can win. I never go into a game thinking that that we can't win. I know we're underdogs, but I'm very excited by the challenge. One thing that didn't go your way um, on the weekend, (laughs) Stephanie. um, She knows what's coming. She knows. She's got this. You've got this. I believe in you. Are you ready? (laughs) Are you prepped? I'm prepped. I'm ready to go. What's Shani going to ask you, Steph? Well, the coin toss. I I won the coin toss. (laughs) For the first time in, I I genuinely think, and I need someone to look this up, I reckon I'm rocking at 17% for the coin toss win in my 51 games as captain. Anyway, carry on. Is that what you're going to Carry on. Yeah, you are incredibly crap at the coin toss. Um, But that's not what we're talking about. It was the goal that you snapped that didn't end up being a goal and you were so excited, Stephanie. Yes, what I happened? Was Well, it didn't go through, Sean, is what happened. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, in my defence, and it's a team sport, but let's talk about me for a moment. Let's. I 
we had momentum in that third quarter. So obviously we got done in the second pretty well. We were pushing really hard in the third. I think it was eight minutes was trapped in our forward half. Anyway, snuck forward as a winger, which we don't do often. Sorry, Jordan Ruffhead. And, you know, got the handball on the boundary line, snapped it. And to be fair, I was trying to centre it, but the pressure came across. So I'm like, all right, I'll just have a crack here. I didn't think the ball was going in, in all honesty. And then I saw Al Downey point to the crowd like, you beauty, this has gone through. So I saw her celebrating and I went, yeah, this has gone through. I've double fist pumped to the crowd because, you know, that's a pretty good goal. Goal of the year, most likely. (laughs) Uh, Give me a car or whatever it is. And then I turn around, I've got my teammate high-fiving me and all of a sudden the ball's ricocheted back into play and they're going down the other end. And I was like, what has gone on here? I had absolutely no idea that it was punched back into play. I thought it might have gone in for a point and a quick play. Not a clue what happened. Didn't see it. So I blame, so long story short, I'm blaming Alison Downey. And thanks to AFL Women's for stitching me up with that lovely video that they put on their page as well. I'm a pretty relaxed person. Like I I like to take the the mickey out of myself a little bit and um, I like to think I've got a pretty good sense of humour. So when they did put that up, look, to be fair, they probably wouldn't have done that if it was someone that they knew wouldn't be able to handle it. Um, you know, so I, I see the funny side to it. I was embarrassed after the game. Absolutely, I was embarrassed at the time. Um, and I was more so disappointed because we did have momentum and I knew how important kicking a goal at that point in time would have been. But you've got to move on. You know, thankfully I went down the other end in the last and did snag one, so that sort of made up for it. But, yeah, I, I took to social media. Like, I, you have, have to have a bit of a laugh. If you don't laugh, you cry and... Um, I don't take things too seriously. But, yeah, internally and, you know, I'm sure that the, the coaches are pretty disappointed, but it is what it is and, um, you know, you can't you can't dwell on it for too long. We are all made of flesh and blood, Steph, and I think it's a good approach just to, to say that, yes, that is that is life. Um, hey, just something I want to ask you before Shans takes us home um, for the final question is I remember and really vividly, um, if you don't mind me sharing a moment, we had on a, a boundary line somewhere in round six and you were just absolutely fried. You know, it had been that season where everyone was like, oh, my gosh, you know, we're, we're – turning our lives upside down again. There'd been a short break. You're a, a teacher. And and I felt like you were kind of almost at the end of um, your tether in terms of output and, and being able to keep playing. Um, you did a really deep article, I think I'm right in saying, with Lauren Wood yep. after that. And I read that with great interest where you also spoke quite deeply about mental health. Um, in this format, I hope you don't mind me asking, giving, given that was on the public record in the Herald Sun, how how are you travelling? How's season seven been for you? And um, do you have the energy and the will and everything to to power on so that we can see you in, in season eight? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and don't mind speaking about it. Obviously, it's really important to to discuss and, you know, awareness is, is very important. Um, yeah, look, it's it was a really challenging season six, uh, to be completely honest with you. I had a lot going on in my life and our footy club just absolutely copped it. And, you know, that's sport and, you know, we're not going to sit here playing the violins. But, you know, I, I was fried, uh, you know, and I'm sure if people have read the article, there were times where I couldn't get out of bed Um Anyone that suffers from mental illness knows, you know, it's different for everyone. But for me, it was that sort of tight chest. Um, I felt like my my body was eating itself. I lost five, six kilos and, yeah, was really struggling. Um, so thankfully I had the, the club and, 
you know, our psychologists and the AFL psychiatrist for support. And that sort of got me through season six. And there was a point where I was like, I just don't know if I can, I can continue to do this. Um, but, you know, fast forward to season seven, um, I'm in a much better place. Um, I, I'm medicated. I'm not too shy to, to speak about that. I think it's important. You know, it, if you had, you know, high blood pressure, you'd take medication, wouldn't you? So yes. it's, it's no different when it comes to depression and anxiety. Um, so, you know, I, I've no issues with that um, and I'm in a much better place and very well supported and, you know, really enjoying my football now. And I think that's really important. I'm not saying it's easy. There's days where you just cannot be bothered um, and you have your ups and downs like anything, but yeah, no, in a much better place and, and going well and very much in, enjoying the journey. And I think not working full time has definitely helped me as well because okay. I'm getting sleep. Um, I've taken leave without pay from, from Parkdale secondary and, you know, they've been so supportive of me and, um, you know, hopefully I can do that again next season if I have a contract. So that's something I need to chat to them about. But, yeah, I think all these sort of things have, have sort of helped me get to this point. Um, so, yeah, very grateful for the club, my friends, my family and, and the support system I have. Thank you Thank for being you. so honest. Yeah. Worries at all. It's, it's, yeah, so it can be so tough to talk about and you've just done that so brilliantly. So thank you so much for sharing, Steffi. Um, something that I just took out of that was that you do want to go another year because you said that, you know, last season you were thinking about it being your last. Um, but, you know, do you, do you have more years in you? I, I think I do, to be honest. Uh, I've always taken the approach of um, you're a long time retired and, you know, Sean, you know better than anyone what it's like to, to retire. And I remember when you told me, you know, just after our loss in Brisbane, like, you know, I was pretty much inconsolable. Like I was so upset for you and so empathetic towards you. And, um, you know, you give so much to a sport. I just, yeah, I, I just hope I have clarity when it comes to that moment. I don't want to be bitter. Um, but for the time being, I feel like I've got another year in me. Um, in negotiations at the moment with the club, I understand where I'm at. I'm almost 34. Um, I think I'm playing okay football, you know, um, yeah, every week, but um, I guess it's whether the body holds up and um, I feel like I'm 90 at times, but that's okay. But, yeah, look, I'd love to keep playing. Um, I'm very much aware that, you know, another year may mean that I'm not actually on the park. That's okay. I, I think I can bring, you know, some other attributes um, off the field, but um, it's sort of a watch and watch and see at the moment. Steph, we wish you all the very, very best in the world. If I, I could put one word on you right now, I just want to say Braveheart. Uh, you you have shared so much with us today and you are you have whatever form it takes, you've got such a role in this code of footy, men's, women's, um, whatever you want it to be. So good luck against Brisbane and it's so nice to recognise your achievement. Um, one for the ages, Steph, you know, the inaugural Collingwood Football Club AFLW captain, you've led them to 51 games. Now you've got 52 um, on the agenda and 53 actually at a bare minimum. So we'll be cheering um, in the grandstands or via the AFLW app, wherever we're listening and watching you. And thank you so much for joining us here on the pod. No worries. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Love you. Love you too. Shans, this is the part every week where we either kick forward or kick back, depending on our state of mind, body and soul. So I ask you this week, my dear friend, are you kicking forward or are you looking back? I'm throwing back this week, Sam, because one of 
the players that came in in the very first season of AFLW has hung up the boots this week and it is Hawthorne's very own Jess Duffin and I just really wanted to give her a, a huge shout out this week. She started at the Mighty Pies before moving over to North Melbourne and finishing her career at Hawthorne so this weekend will be her last game and I do encourage everyone if you can't get to the game just to, to tune in and for me she's been a real stalwart. She's been a huge, um, always had a huge impact no matter what club she's been at as a defender, but we've seen a new side of it being flicked forward this year and having some real, real impact kicking goals and changing up what we know she can do. Um, in saying that, we know that she was actually a forward before AFLW came in and she was able to swap herself into that defence end. And there is a beautiful video on the Hawthorne Football Club's account of her telling the players, and you can tell how much she means to them and and that's the kind of player that you want in a side that everyone will be so sad to see her go but they understand she said that she's leaving for family reasons and wants to spend more time with with her little girl um but I do have to give her a slap on the wrist because we had her on women's footy a few weeks ago and I said would you go back and play cricket and she was like yeah yeah maybe um but no she was lying she was hanging up the boots all together so Jess Thank you for not only what you've given to AFLW, but also to the WBBL and and just women's sport in general. Um, You've made such a mark on on women's sport and and so many are so grateful for all that you have given. And I hope that you enjoy um, your life post your sporting career. Love it, Shans. Good luck, Jess. And, And hey, good luck to every AFLW player who is playing their last ever AFLW match in this upcoming weekend. We salute you. We love you. And um, well done. Shans, I am kicking forward specifically to Sunday the 30th of October when at Arden Street, North Melbourne will be hosting the Richmond Footy Club who we've spent a bit of time talking about today. And this is now a battle between fourth on the AFLW ladder and sixth. And I am licking my lips. North's percentage is higher, which says a bit about what they've been able to do this season to other teams. Richmond, though, is coming in on that seven-game winning streak. I just think it's going to be one of the battles of the AFLW seasons and what a way to warm up to an incredible final series ahead. As always, Shani Norda, it has been an utter blast to sit with you on a Monday, chew the fat and chew everything else about the <laughs> AFLW round that we have just seen. We want to thank the ABC for having us, for Evan, our producer, for Patrick, and we thank our audience as well. Our guests this season, if you want to catch up, if you missed something or if you just want to listen back because you loved it so much, what the hell? Karen Paxman, Monique Conti, Nicole Livingston, Craig Starsevic, they've all been guests on the pod this year, Shans. I know you have loved every single one of those chats. And the latest on the list, I've got to say, it's been one of my favourites. We covered a whole lot with Steph Kiyochi. But Shans, I've got to say, the highlight of my AFLW podcast with Shani and Sam is always speaking to you. So thank you, my friend, for doing that again. Power on. Please bring us home and really roll us in to AFLW Round 10. Double you out. <laughs> this podcast was produced on the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.